Good evening, good evening, good evening. You know what that growl indicates. We're back. It's another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Colleagues, how are you? I'm doing well today. It's Wednesday. Late in the month, getting around the football season. Watch some SEC interviews and all this week. Media day. Let the games begin. Dr. Dad, you are, you doing well? I'm doing Sleeping well. Sleeping well? Hours so regular yeah, so far? Yeah, he, he, he's, he's nice to us so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice to I must say. He's going to make sure he get a car to go to school. He keep acting like this. Brag on Doc, Doc. Many stories I done heard. I was scared. Hey, it's, he's only just begun. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to be And then careful. the other thing, too, is, you know, he's still too young at all to start teasing. That's when it's going to. That, right. That, that's that, a whole different story. That's a whole different story. I that's heard it. about that one, too. Oh, yeah. All right, fellas, we're going to get right into it. I posted this on our uh, KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast that uh, in our July 11th podcast, we discussed a lot of things, but we forgot to discuss the Bill Powers saga slash situation at the University of Texas at Austin. How yep. at it? Well, he made a decision. One guy wasn't going didn't want the other guy to outlast him. President Bill Powers didn't want uh, the governor to outlast him in office. And there's some kind of way powers that be on the campus of, on the 40 acres made a decision and they made a, uh, they agreed to the end of, I think it's 2015. Academic year, yeah. Academic mm-hmm. year. It was when uh, President Bill Powers will step aside. That'll, right now, that's giving everybody a chance, an opportunity to bid for that job, or politics for that job, you know, when it, once it, it comes open. Um, we don't know what's going to happen after that, but right now, 40 Acres is doing okay, and it's kind of quiet. Yes, uh, you know I'm usually for a proponent of athletes and not too much for athletic directors and presidents and chancellors. But in this case, I have a little smirk on my face. (laughs) We've always heard about the notorious stories of the politics of Texas. True. And for people that join us around the world that may not be familiar, I'll do a little historical backdrop to kind of let you know how this all comes to play. And we are understand that there have been many books that says there's no love in politics. You know, it is a full contact sport. Take your gloves off. Uh, but this really came true today. We've all, uh, over the last several years, I should say. Um, and then many of us have always heard that they do things bigger in Texas. Well, this was a battle that was fought at the highest level in every sense of the word when you talked about the power broker. And from a historical standpoint, as I said, this actually goes back until 2008, according to some of those that have really looked at this. And as I dug in and tried to research, and many of us understood and heard that this was between power brokers, the president, Bill Powers of University of Texas at Austin, and the governor, Rick Perry of the state of Texas. Uh, but what really created this is in the state of Texas, like other states, oftentimes the governor gets to appoint people to the board. So even though the University of Texas at Austin is a dynamic, gigantic university, I should say, 
uh, with huge reputations, they're still under the auspices of the University of Texas system, and people may not realize that, meaning that there's several uh, universities that the Board of Regents for the University of Texas system govern. Uh, it's the University of Texas at Austin, uh, UT Pan Am, UT Dallas. True, uh, true. Several of the medical schools. And so that gives you a little framework of this is huge. And outside of probably the state of California, when you think about public institutions, yeah, University of Texas is one of the richest. And as I said, outside of California, probably the richest. Um, with huge state public prestige yeah. as a state institution that uh, is reckoned with some of the ones in the ACC when you think about University of North Carolina, mm-hmm. University of Virginia, mm-hmm. already named several of them from California. They have huge research institutions of the like. Mm-hmm. And so Texas sits as a pillar. And Bill Powers was part of that system that created that alignment that allowed Texas to continue to excel, uh, not only on the athletic, and we'll kind of show you how, why would you be talking about this from a sports context, uh, something that seems outside of that. And see if we can tie it in before we get too drawn out here. But I did want to paint that picture, if you would allow me to, of what went on here. And so, again, back May, May 21st, 2008, after, obviously, Rick Perry, Governor Rick Perry, as a Republican, uh, took over, uh, there started to be some changes on the university system board. And prior to this, what took place in May 21, 2008, that people may not realize really set this off. There was this Texas Public Policy Foundation. You may have heard a little more about it, but at that time, it was a think tank uh, that hosted a conference, and Rick Perry was there, and there was this new endorsement by Perry, Seven Breakthroughs, a Solution for Higher Education in this country. Many have been talking about how higher education is spiraling out of control in terms of costs, uh, which some of that I do must agree with, uh, but some of the frameworks um, in regards to the seven breakthroughs by Perry, many people did not agree with, and I have some concerns with those, but this is not the time, place to point those out. Okay. But it started with some key appointments in 2011 when Perry appointed Hall Cranberg to the UT board system, along with Wallace Hall. That's uh-huh. really what created this stirring in the mix, if you would, that is now coming to this final component. Where at the end of the day, and I won't take you through all these different years, as this went up and down, back and forth, uh, between the two, went into the point uh, that these individuals would get information in regards to uh, Major Applewhite yep. uh, having his problems with a extramarital affair that he admitted to, uh, to his athletic director. And the athletic director, Bill Powers, know they fined him, suspended him, and in their minds dealt with it. It did not go up to the board. Some people say that was micromanagement if they got it. Other people would not. You know, depending on which way you look at it, you can decide for yourself. But that was one component where the board would come out and say they thought they should have known about that. And as things move forward, and that's one side of where it kind of digs into the athletic, 
but most of it was in regards to Rick Perry putting people on the board that pushed his agenda with the TPPF in regards to making these changes. Oddly enough, Powers is a part of the AAU, which is this conglomerate of the top universities in the United States that do research at the highest level. Our best institutions in America are a part of this, and they collaborate, they set the phase for where academics are in this country going. So many of your Ivy Leagues, many of your top researchers, University of Chicago, almost all of your Big Ten. At right. one time, it was all of the Big, Big Ten, Ten until Nebraska. Right, right after they joined, they lost it, and I think they're trying to get it back, but I'm not sure. I followed up recently at the University of Nebraska. Had it ever re got reinstated right. um, from what they lost their apartment as part of the AAU? Many of the uh, ACC. So when you heard some of the news about Big Ten, uh, expanding a couple of years ago, one of the people would put up names and people would say, well, one thing you have to worry about with the Big Ten expansion in terms of conference is a lot of their presidents wanted to make sure that not only was it an athletic fit, a regional fit, an economic fit, but it also had to be an academic fit in terms of being a part of the AAU. That gives you a framework. President Powers became president of that. They were steadfast against this TPPF. Seven principles for change. They did not like it. Uh, President Powers was totally at odds about it. Some people said he was cantankerous the way he dealt with the board in terms of running his institution. So this kind of went back and forth. You had a couple of more opponents. And when I say the AAU, I'm talking about the Association of American Universities, of course. The true AAU. Yes. Not grassroots hoops. (laughs) Right. Thank you for. This is all about academics and research. Right. So, one of, and there's a places where this goes up and down and around and around. Seguero, who was the University of Texas System Chancellor, who in some ways supported Powers, but he was up against it with his board. And they were going back and forth basically to sum it all up in terms of where they micromanaging Powers and putting it. You had uh, one of the appointees by Perry uh, O'Donnell. Uh, before this, is he was um, created a position at the UT system uh, in terms of Scott Kelly, the chancellor, which had this business affairs. He was paid like $200,000 annually in regards to his position. And some people said it was a duplicate of another position, so they thought it was strange. So he had these odd little things going on. You had members of the Senate get involved later on going back and forth, supporting Powers, thinking that Rick Perry was overstepping his bounds, and giving you the more, in some ways, the attorney general in the state of Texas, in most people's eyes, in terms of what they do, is actually more powerful than the governor in the state of Texas, to give you that framework, too. So you had these odd makers about this, and this is fall at the highest level between Republicans and Democrats, and uniquely in Texas, at one time, Republicans and Democrats were pretty well together in terms of the landscape of Texas politics. And that slightly changed over Perry's uh, tenure in office. You had a Senate committee chairwoman, Escalady, uh, uh, out of uh, Laredo, a Democrat, that punched back uh, after they felt that Powers was being wrong and, and petitioned the University of Texas system about what they needed to do 
to change this. So, again, you have the governor involved. You have the state of Texas in terms of the representative senators involved. You have the system involved. You have a lot of power brokers going back, creating legislative oversight committees on should they do some investigation. They got involved where the University of Texas Law School, they went after the dean of that school and say that uh, he took out a loan that was inappropriate. They tried to connect that to powers uh, with a lot of research there. And then there was also people like Cranberry was searching for information. He would ask for boxes and boxes of paperwork uh, that were just frustrating a, little, a lot of people from the University of Texas system to see if he could find anything. And part of what he was trying to dig up to see if at the University of Texas of Austin were people in the Senate actually getting uh, special treatment to get into UT's law school. So again, this is cumbersome. The last part that I'll kind of tie in that really ties us into football, and again, you can go to the TexasTribune.org to kind of get a real framework if you into these kind of things and want to dig a little more. I don't want to tie up too much more of the podcast. Uh, but I think it is fascinating. One of the last parts that really created maybe this final straw, if you would, is when the University of Texas system went after Nick Saban. Many of y'all may have remembered that Texas was floating out there and looking at Saban. Well, if you recall in some of the things that you read in detail, this was not University of Texas doing this as an institution or everybody was on board with that. These were some system board members that thought this was the right direction uh, for University of Texas. And if you remember, this happened between Tuberville with the University of Auburn right. and oh. Louisville. And oh. board members also lost their job because of that, because it was done in the cloak, in the dark. There was something about this, too. And just recently, those that paid attention, uh, Faunberg, that is now the new ESPN right. media guy, he's coming out with a book charging that the University of Texas system board, so this is starting to collaborate, actually made an offer of $100 million to Nick Saban in regards to their interest of getting there. We kind of heard some of these numbers, right, right. and they were split out there, so a lot of people weren't sure how true they were. Now you're starting to see this picture of this collaboration. So in 2011, UT President Bill Powers delivered a powerful speech, a lot of people said, and it was a speech that talked about the house being divided at the University of Texas in regards to what was going next. So with all this stuff in the background, and finally, um, when he got news of how this was happening with Nick Saban, it, it really frustrated Bill Powers, and he kind of made a power move and made sure that Mac Brown stayed around just long enough where University of Texas at Austin uh, could make the decision they went, and that's kind of where you got the coach that you have to today. And we'll talk about maybe a little later in regards to how he's looking on the bit. But that pretty closes everything out. And one of the things that really uh, kind of got to Rick Perry, there was a rumor out there, and they said that Powers put it out there purposely to make sure it could be heard, uh, that he was not going to leave his post. Uh, the last thing he wanted to do to make sure that he, he's ready to leave University of Texas, he did what he had to do. Uh, he got support from the alums, Texas Exes. They talked about him having that multi-billion dollar endowment that he's nearly reached. Uh, he's opened up the UT Med School on campus and another 
of the UT system that he was proud about. And so those are things that he takes credit for that came under his watch. But the, uh, one of the big things, again, that kind of sum this up is when he said, as you alluded to, that uh, he stepped down. It was in the best interest of Texas, but it shouldn't be anything rash, done quickly. He wanted to do it and do it over the next year. And basically, in another <coughs> quiet oh, yeah. place where he purposely made things with her, he said he'd gladly leave, but he wanted to make sure that his tenure at Texas outlasted the governor of, of Texas, Rick Perry. And that's why I kind of clapped him for laughing inside when all this battle came out that he was pretty much the last man standing and he did it his way and as the last thing we've seen that comes out and said he will be given the year academic year 1415 and because of the way the governorship runs in texas he will at last uh in terms of his tenure of being in office post rick perry and will be able to go to the legislature without Rick Perry in office, which will be very intriguing in terms of what things he might try to get done at that final session to kind of create his coup d'etat well, on his way out. Well well done, sir. Well done, Doc. Um, I want to read a few things. Uh, I have a few friends who are Longhorns. Bless their hearts. They just went wrong somewhere down the line. They came Longhorns. Hey. But anyway, they're Longhorns. I love them nonetheless. One of them is a, is a proud Texas ex, and I was sent some info that they were, as uh, Texas exes were, uh, emailed with updates about the saga, the Bill Power saga, and one was from um, former Senator Kay Bailey Hutchison. It was a letter. She's the president of the board of Texas, and... Uh, Keep in mind now, Kay Bailey Hutchison is a Republican. Just strong. <clears throat> okay. But that's part of the letter sent to the Texas exes, and I'm going to read the letter from President Powers that was also sent to the Texas exes afterwards when he announces his decision. From Kay Bailey Hutchison. And we'll get into sports in a, in a few moments, listeners, on the court stuff. Bear with us. I'm Bear gonna, with I'm going to light up a few people. But from Kay Bailey Hutchison. Quote, a forced resignation or firing would be a travesty for UT. It would cause further tension with legislatures regarding UT system, would compound unrest among faculty, students, and alumni, and invoke serious harm to the institution's reputation in the national spotlight. President Powers has advanced the university through many tremendous accomplishments and has been a great leader. He deserves better than this. This is about our university. It is a treasure that alumni need to protect, and we need to stand up and fight for his stature. The University of Texas at Austin deserves better than this. End quote. A few days later, President Powers writes to the members of the U University of Texas family. I am delighted to inform you that I will be serving as president of the University of Texas at Austin through the 2014-2015 academic year and the coming legislative session, after which I will return to teaching and my faculty position in the law school. Kim, 
wife, and I have spoken for some time about making a transition next year. I am deeply, deeply grateful to Chairman Foster, and ironically for me, we put this in here, and Chancellor Sigaroa, who's supposed to be one of the people who are trying to get him out, for the leadership of the University of Texas system and for working together on this plan. It is truly in the best interest of the university, our students, faculty, staff, and alumni. It will allow me to continue to build on our student success initiatives, complete our $3 billion capital campaign, and I think they're like at $2.9 billion, <laughs> and bring the Dell Medical School closer Mere to numbers. reality Mere numbers. over the, the next year while ensuring a smooth transition to my successor. It will also allow me to work with elected officials in the 84th Texas legislature. That's enough. That's enough. I don't want to get into any more stuff. That's enough. I feel kind of dirty yeah. as a University of Houston graduate. One final part that enough. ties it in back mm-hmm. in again into the sports realm as we continue to go back, as you were seeing there, is it got so bad in the House Select Committee that was uh, wrestling with Regent Wallace Hall over the investigation of whether they should impeach uh, uh, Wallace Hall for some of the things he was doing in terms of all this. If they had dipped into Houston for attorney Rusty Harden, remember that's the yeah. attorney, that famously uh, uh, did the uh, thing against Major League Baseball for Roger Roger Clemens. Clemens. Mm -hmm. So that's how much this ties in the sports in the state of Texas to let you know that politics and sports and all the things that are in between that, as you heard when Texas A&M and University of Texas were making a move are tied all together. Are connected, and it's all big business. It's all about two things. Elbow to elbow, money to money. That's all it was. Capital and power. And lastly, according to the Austin American Statesman, uh, President Powers' last day as president will be June 2nd, 2015. Gentlemen, that's a nice break right there. Who are you? How can you folks find you on the I media, worldwide social web? Nicknamed the Swift Wild Wildcat, but I am the college sports reporter, Jerry Lee Woodley, Jr., uh, you can find me online at the uh, media outlets to uh, Blogger, uh, Lee College Sports Report, blogspot.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, at uh, JL Woodley1. YouTube, The College Sports Report. And I, I'm in the process of uh, adding. A video that I talked to the athletic director of Texas Southern University today. I had a little short chat with him on the record, and I will be posting that uh, tomorrow. Doc? Yes, this is uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor of sport management, Texas Southern University, also a sport business analyst, particularly uh, providing information on HBCU sports. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on the social media platform at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Provide information on the business of sports, both professional and college. And you also get a lot of information for those that are interested in following HBCU sports. So that's what I usually tweet about. If you need information in terms of business, uh, about sporting opportunity in terms of looking at data analysis and business 
acumen and that, you can email me at kcavil at thd-agency.com. C-A-V-I-L at thd-agency.com. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com as well as www.thehrr.com. I'm on Twitter at the H R R E V I E W. You know the spells? The H R Review. YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review. Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review. We have our podcast page on Facebook, KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc Podcast page. Like us on Facebook. Helping uh, trying to get that to grow a little bit more. Um, we're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. We talk about that. Thank you for the links. Our uh, links to the podcast are on SoundCloud.com as well as iTunes. Had great feedback from our our July 11th podcast. We're looking for sponsors of our podcast going forward. College football season is approaching. Yes. Wildcat and Doc will have uh, insight. Yes. To share with you as we have discussed the college football season. I'll throw in my one to two cents on a few things in the college football realm. We'll get at the NFL as well. At some point, we'll talk about the Texans and Andre Johnson, but not right now. We're going to talk NBA free agency, talk about the Houston Rockets and Chandler Parsons. And we'll. Chandler Parsons, the Rockets surprised many, including, I think, the three of us. Took the money and run. That's what the movie That's what the not, song said. Did not match the uh, offer sheet that the Mavs signed Parsons to on Thursday of last week. The three-year, $46 million offer sheet, Daryl Morey. It's surprising that it, many folks not only expected the Rockets to match the offer, but expected them to wait until up to the deadline to match it. But no, they around 6 o'clock Sunday evening. Hey. They said, no, we're not going to match it. Dallas, congratulations. Adios. We wish you well. Take the money and run. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on what the Rockets did? Agree? Disagree? Well, I, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna approach it from this this point. It stands. It is Chandler Parsons, the number three guy on this squad right now, as it as it as it's set up through the past season. Is, is he the number three guy, and will he continue to make them better? Be, be that number three guy to to set them over the top. I think it makes sense uh, when you really break it down. Once he decided that they were going to seriously go after Bosch, and everybody knows that it seemed reality that they were this close to getting Bosch. Mm-hmm. And if you were argued with that, it would put him over the top mm-hmm. and would have re- reassigned him. They would have thought they would have made a serious run at the championship. And once that fell through, um, it didn't work out. But when you go back and look at it, a lot of people are questioning, well, you had him on the book for less than a million dollars. Well, it's my understanding, and Chris breaks down the cap a little better than I. Yeah. But it's my understanding, without that cap space, that they wouldn't have been in a position to sign Bosch without some of the other moves they had to make. They had to sign Bosch first. And then they could have gone over the cap and signed yeah. Taylor Parsons. To, to make those maneuvers. <laughs> so once you allow him to open the market, um, I'm, I'm pretty safe. They said, well, we felt he was good enough. We would have gave him that. Uh, but Dallas did what they needed to do and caught him off guard. They were fortunate that Dallas Dirt was really a difference maker in taking less money. Yeah. But put them in the A position. lot less money is, was, was announced 
Which is a whole other discussion. Well, yes, we're going to talk about that too. Get yeah. into that. But when that happened, it allowed them to really overpay for Chandler Park. Uh, in terms of Chandler Parker, in terms of what he's done. So from that framework, I don't think it's, it's, it's as bad as it seems in regards to it. But it goes back to what I originally told everybody. This is exactly what the league wants to do. So the majority of the owners, all but the six, they want to cap everybody, suppress the salaries in such a way teams cannot really build super teams, and so they want to spread the talent out as much as possible through the league, which is a copy of the NFL. Mm-hmm. So those fans of that will be more fans of the NBA. I'm not, I don't agree with it. I like basketball the way it was in terms of them having teams of collectors of great organizations right. that put great teams together and make great runs. I think that's a historical part of basketball. And I think to some degree, NFL was mo- losing that with not having some of those great franchises being able to go on some of these historical runs from the days of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 49ers. You don't see that anymore because of the way they created that and they forced teams to let go of players. Now you're seeing that play out in the NBA, you know, with all these teams uh, having a great player, maybe two if mm-hmm. you're fortunate. Mm-hmm. If you get one in the draft and mm-hmm. develop into something, then you might have two of them. Uh, but that's part and parcel of what you're getting now. Now, with all that being uh, with that being said, where does this this put Kevin Love's situation going forward? Because he right now, not only is he is he's the X factor, he's a guy that's sitting out there wondering what the hell is going on with who, as far as money being offered. You know, phone ain't ringing on a regular basis. Is, is, is the Rockets. Gonna, is he going to fall? No, whether it be the Rockets or anybody else, all of a sudden, is everybody, well, stars and all of certain caliber are taking less money to put a team together, just like you mentioned about Dirk. You know, is, is that the, the, the common thing? Because And also, short contracts. Everybody's looking at that two-year, 18-month window, and now with the new uh, uh, CBA and the TV contract coming up. Two years uh, with, as in LeBron's case, LeBron's deal that he's agreed to with the Cavs is only a two-year, $42 million, but the second year is his player option, so next summer he can opt out and become a free agent once again. Um, I think Dwayne Wade, we have a lot to touch on, so let me back up and go to Kevin Love. There you go. There you go. Kevin Love. Uh, so did you close out what you felt? Did you give a voice to everybody? Oh no, I'm not done. No, but with Parsons. Oh no, I'm going. I'm going. I'm tied all yeah, together. That, that, oh yeah. That, that, oh yeah. I'm approaching it that way. This is going to be a big match. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Kevin Love. Trade rumors. Uh, Minnesota and Golden State are back in discussions about that, but Minnesota continues to ask for Clay Thompson. Golden State says we're not giving up Clay Thompson, so we'll see. How much that who progresses? Blitz, that's who been, first? Right. That basically, that's what that comes down to. But Daryl Morey has been quoted saying that, and this I respect him for, because many fans have always griped about just wish my team would do something, just make a move, be aggressive, be active. Daryl Morey has done that. Clearly, he has swung for the fences. That's what he believes in doing. He, he said swung that. for the fences. Yes, he said that. 
He has not hit a home run a lot. Trading for James Harden and getting Dwight to come here, great. But Darrell Moore hasn't got the Rockets to the NBA Finals and many other so GMs have. Yeah. So he's he's collecting assets, but he has, does not have a lot to show for it so forth so far. Quote though from uh, Daryl Morey and his mentality and reasoning for not matching the Chandler Parsons offer sheet. Dwight and James are in their prime. While they're in their prime, we're going all out. But we're not going all out in a way that I think a lot of teams make a mistake. They say we're going to we're going to assemble our team by July 10th, have every piece in place. You need to always be able to address injuries, address weaknesses you didn't anticipate. We're constantly focused on continual improvement from players getting better, from trade exceptions, mid-level exceptions to improve the team. We're focused on the playoffs. We're focused on making sure we don't have an exit in the first round like we did last year. I feel strongly we'll be stronger going into the playoffs this year than last year. End quote. Wow. I laughed at some of that. Wow. A day or so later, they announced they re-signed Joey Dorsey. There you go. As a backup big man to Dwight Howard and signed Jeff Adrian and then acquired, before that, acquired Trevor Reza in a sign and trade involving the Wizards and New Orleans when they sent Omira Asik. 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 As other folks have said, oh, they've uh, butchered his name all over the place. And the Andre, to New Orleans. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, another kid uh, that was involved in that trade, but he's going to be let go. Um, Omri Caspi. Yeah. New Orleans gonna, yeah, they're going to wait. I think they haven't already done that. So, Ariza, Dorsey, and Jeff Adrian have all played with the Rockets previous season. Right. And they're all coming back to the Rockets. Right. Trevor Ariza is a better defensive player than Chandler Parsons. Right. He had a better three-point shooting percentage last year than Chandler Parsons. Okay. He is not better attacking the basket no, like no. Parsons. He's older than uh, Parsons. Joey Dorsey, when he was with the Rockets, when he was in the NBA, was a foul machine. He just picked up files like a magnet. He just, I mean, he thought that's what he did. But apparently, he uh, played in Europe, played for, I think, F- FC Barcelona, and was named the Defensive Player of the Year in Europe. Really? So, wow. apparently, he's grown up, apparently, and learned how to not foul as much, use his physical strength, because he is a strong young man. He, he and use his, use his strength, his strength to defend without fouling. So we'll see how so that works. So in terms of correlation in regards to the Europe League, uh, to maybe a baseball, you know, you have Major League Baseball and AAA, what would you say is the correlation between the NBA and the... It's better than D-League. Would the D-League it's better be than, it's better to than, the AAA? They aspire oh. to be in AAA. Yeah. That's what they're trying to get to. Yeah, That's we, what the NBA is trying to get to. So D-League is probably double it. Yes. It's, and... Is better than college. So, yes. Uh, Euro League is better well, than the AAA? Oh, well, yes. it depends on, yes. on where. Where, you know, Spain, Spain, yeah, Russia. Yeah, I'm solid team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just giving people a correlation because yeah. oh, yeah. some people may not be familiar with the Euro. But, uh, we'll, you know, when I read, saw the tweets about the Rockets bringing back Joy Dorsey, I was kind of taken aback. Because, well, First, you saw my I, response. I didn't know where he, I didn't know where he was. I didn't That's know he was, he was still playing, playing in Toronto. I didn't know he was still playing. I'll be honest with you. So he's been overseas. Was done. Yeah, do you hold it? 
So no, and that you know, <laughs> no, definitely hold on there. Now. Hold on now. <laughs> hold on now. Because because he left on bad terms as far as coaches looking at him as a player moving forward. That's even why you didn't know where he was. Like, true. He played himself out the NBA. And I didn't want to just just you know no that's you know because I'll leave it at that yeah. And ironically, and Joy Dorsey's thirty years old, so the Rockets have gotten older, which quickly. You know they've gained more experience. They were the youngest team in the playoffs this past season. They've they've got more experience, and we'll see how it all helps them. You know Daryl has said, been quoted with saying saying that he believes the Rockets will be a better team than last year by the end of the season. Well, I think he that's easy to say right now. Well, I think in his mind he believes he's still going to be able to pull off something. Oh, that's what he's yeah. That's what, that's he what he's expects. alluding to. Yeah. Well, he's we'll capable see. of doing that. Yeah. Because we'll see. He he. But we're we'll holding to that. But we'll see. yes, we're going to. We, we'll we damn sure will on this podcast. We sure will. You know, I will. He for did sure. exactly what I thought he was going to do. Went to three teams and got some stuff done. He's it, it, that's his claim to fame. That's what he's right. But of I doing. think as Chris is is moving forward, a lot of those abuse. They, they, they sound very fun, particularly like a person like myself that looks at data, crunching, looks at all the analysis. But at the end of the day, many of the people around the Houston Rockets, yeah, like me, they want some championship. Yeah, at least yeah. make a run at some championship, serious championship. He well, hasn't really done that. Some, some extended season, really, yes. truly extended season. Uh, Moore was quoted uh, before the draft. Quote: Joy Dorsey has become the best defensive big in Europe. And was voted the best defender on a EuroLeague champion team. End quote. That quote is one of my blog posts at the uh, Houston Rumble Review Men's Hoop blog. You can check that out, as well as a little info about Jeff Adrian signing and the acquisition of Trevor Ariza. But we talk about Maury swinging for the fences and trying to acquire maybe Rajon Rondo from the Celtics or Kevin Love from Minnesota. Gentleman by, uh, let me get his name. I want to get his name right. He, his Twitter handle is KD on Hoops. Um, he writes for writes for Ball Don't Lie as part of Yahoo Sports. And let me read this to you and see if you agree. Because I think he, I think thinking his his name is Kelly Dwyer. Yes, Kelly Dwyer from uh, Ball Don't Lie, and I love Ball Don't Lie because this is a, a phrase from Rasheed Wallace. A former Piston player and NBA player, and every time he got fouled, they called foul on him, and a guy missed a free throw, he'd say, ball don't lie. Get that lie. So that's the gist of that. I love this. But Kelly Dwyer says, part of his article, the issue here, as rumors quote about Rajon Rondo and Kevin Love possibly acting as Maury's next target, is that Houston is dreadfully short on assets. The next first-round pick the team can deal would be stuck in the 2017 NBA draft. Players like Donatus Yunus and Terrence Jones are working on incredibly cheap contracts, but they're hardly the earth shakers that front offices in Minnesota or Boston would want in return for an impatient superstar. Well, I have to agree with it. <clears throat> I, I, I do as well, and I, I tweeted it uh, yesterday, I believe, Rockets fans or Maury supporters are talking about Daryl swinging for the fences. That's great. I admire you for it. But 
the assets are dwindling on the team to go out and get another superstar. Now, don't get me wrong, because there is always one sucker. That's all it takes. That's true. To convince somebody in the NBA, That's NFL, true. baseball. That's true. Somebody's looking Let's to get rid of something. Let's make a deal. I, I'll, give, I'll give you whatever you want. Somebody is looking to get rid of you know first round pick in clear 2030. Money. It'll be valuable in 2030. Oh no, we got a deal. I'll give but that's his point though. So, we really don't have the players when you let Lynn go in terms of people that have salaries that get, get that done. That's why the Lakers made that happen. Yeah, you start to run out those type of assets, so you can't do it that. But I think what comes to play now uh, when you Minnesota is who's going to blink first yes. if Minnesota gets to the point where they get desperate. As the season goes on, uh, which is going to be interesting because I think you're starting to hear now that Cleveland is not going to really budge in terms of Andrew Wiggins. In terms of Wiggins, so after a while, Minnesota is going to have to find somebody that's going to play that game. Yeah, and is Rondo going to go to wow. Minnesota and sign an extension? See, that's the other thing. Oh, by the way, what you had mentioned. Is the uh, the uh, when when the, the when the last day in all season for guys to be dealing with contracts now? Didn't mention that. What for for free agent free agent signing? Yeah, well, they can be signed up their season starts. Oh, well, then yeah, folks will be yeah. working. Yeah. But the, yeah. but like, some people will okay. wait will get it done this this before the season start. But I'm looking at a lot of things that happen. Yeah. Once it's, it's, I think from this standpoint, I'm gonna be open. I'm I'm gonna leave it open. I'm playing out to the beginning of the season and to some degree into the season uh-huh. to see how this plays off. But I know we get excited about this, and it is very intriguing because we can talk about it. But and it sells tickets. It, and well, it makes for good it's, talk. It's, it makes for great talk, and so I'm glad that we can do that. That's why we're in the business to do that. But at the same time, at some point, you do got to kind of let it play out. Sure. Now, um, the trade deadline... Final trade trade deadline will be in February, right around the All Star break. But free agents who were signed in the off season can begin to be traded December fifteenth or so. So the Wolves, it's up to them. If they want to blink. I doubt. I truly believe the Wolves won't let Kevin Love go for nothing. No, no. But they got to get something for him. But there will come a Question point in time. Is how much is that exactly? It'll be diminishing returns if they wait too late. Because everybody will be like, well, he gone now, so we'll just give you a, a bunch of rocks because you're not coming back. So, you know. But let's talk about stars picking less. Yeah. Dirk signed a deal averaging $8 million a year. I thought it was, which was almost uh, it's he made like $18 million last season, you know, for example. Yeah, that's Tim, almost half of probably. Tim year. Duncan it took it took less. The kicker was for me the final straw. Dwayne Wade agreed to a two-year, thirty-one million dollar deal. He gave up. He opted out of the final two years of his previous contract worth forty-two million dollars. So he gave up eleven million dollars that he left on the table. And my question is, I got two questions. One. Why? And two, did you really love the company that much? I'm just asking both of y'all. Do you really love the company that much to, to just leave money sitting on the table like that over a two-year period? 
Well, there's multiple ways that you can look at that. You know, he came out and said the nice things about LeBron. But part I'm of talking it, about the company. You gotta let, let me finish. All right. The reason he made the first decision in the first place is because he thought there was a serious chance that they were going to get LeBron back and they were going to continue to make playoff runs, which could have also changed the length of his contract in terms of what he got from Miami. So he hedged his bets. So I, I'm not sure how much of it is in regards to him loving Miami. I think of it, it was a calculated decision he made. And if you look at the numbers, it didn't pay off. But we're looking, and see, it's another of the ramifications of the salary cap, which all of us will hammer, continue hammering for a while. Because things like this will continue to take place. Right. Dwayne Wade took a pay cut. Initially, opted out of the contract. As you said, because you thought LeBron was going to come back and LeBron wanted to be the highest player on the team, get a max deal. But he took less now to allow Chris Bosch to get max on his five year deal, as well as allow the Heat to sign Noah Dang to a two year, $20 million contract. So fans were saying, writers are saying, Dwayne Wade is making a sacrifice. He's loyal to the franchise. He's doing. What a great leader he's being, et cetera, et cetera. My point. That's BS. But he's taking, he's being, I won't say he's forced to, but in order for the team to get better or to remain competitive and on that level of championship caliber, a lot of players, a lot of star players are having to take pay cuts in order to bring in better elite players to join them. But let's look closely at the three players that took less. What do they all have in common? They've been with that franchise no. forever? No. Let's go back to what you said last week. That's one. What else? They're older. Nah, exactly. And the, they have rings. They already have rings. And, and so the, it's not about winning the championship. Two of the three are not fair. Right. That's the last point that I was going to do. But Wade, Wade obviously, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. two of them are exactly right. Or a Dirk from Germany, Germany and Tim from the Bahamas. Correct. And to some degree, um, what's the point guard for San Antonio? I mean, not the point. Uh, Tony Parker? Not Tony Parker. Manu Ginobili? Manu Ginobili. He took a pay cut. He too. took a pay cut, mm-hmm. too. So that's, the Spur- him. that's the Spurs way. Spurs way, uh, which is one from that. But, from that. but also... Uh, you do have to look at the non-American attitude in terms of money uh, from that framework. But what's unique about those players is they all have at least one championship. Three of the four have multiple championships. And so now all of them are working are working more towards legacy. They're at the end of their career. Uh, so if they're at a position, if they took care of their money, they at least have that part of it. And they know that. Uh, but it, I think it's a unique and different framework. But I do get your overall point, which is something that I think is frustrating, is when you feel that the need that you have to do that in terms to put yourself in a position to continue to win, uh, which which is it's not the way that I, as a fan, that I would like to see some of the best players in the game doing and trying to give them credit and all these niceties in regards to taking less money. Because it's it's like it's hip- hypocritical. It's like it's a dichotomy uh, where 
Carmelo Anthony is being criticized and vilified. and vilified for taking max money for staying with the Knicks. $129 million is $30 million or more at least. And he took less than that. He got one twenty four. It wasn't quite the max. And nobody will give him credit for that either. A little bit because that $5 million probably helped him acquire someone. But because he, he did not go to Chicago or he didn't go anywhere else, Mel is going to be criticized for the amount of money that he signed for. Chris Boss, Rocket fans think Chris Boss name is dirt. For staying with the Heat. Again, $30 million difference what the Heat offered and what the Rockets could offer. $30 million. And f- folks don't get it. I would not give up $30 million for none of y'all. And that goes back to what I'll say. <laughs> my position, I'm sure, I'm not sure I'd give up $30,000. So, you get to my, yeah, you get to my, yeah. All of us. Because let's be honest, those numbers don't come around all the time at a certain age in in your, in your career. Like you, and said, we always know you got you got a certain amount of uh, work time. I'm a capitalist at heart. To be honest, I'm not sure I'd be willing to give up three thousand dollars. You know, yeah, all of us. Three hundred dollars, I might think. About. You know, many many of us, and that's only because that's that's pocket change. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you go do me like yeah. that. M- many of us are are very free willing and easy to talk and criticize. With folks, somebody, for, well, someone, well, someone somebody else's money. money. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you I go. Tell you, that's one thing my father told me. Don't mess with a man's money, his woman, and his food. And his food. Yes, sir. And that has not changed, and that will not change. And you change. can take it in any order that you want it to. It just depends on the, on the moment. Exactly. Okay. Uh, now, go, one final piece yes, of sir. that, that wave part. That is intriguing to me is the fact. Do you believe that he could have got more than what he actually took? Yes. From the heat? Yes. Yeah. Probably. He couldn't have got, obviously, what he opted out, but he could have taken more. Probably. I, I, I think so. Maybe not. You know. I, well, I, put I like mean, this. it would have been a difference between what he had already had on the book and what he accepted. They would have been, uh, it's, and that's the reason I say it would have been more. How much more? But what, what, I, what I want, I'll take another step. I want to hear Dwayne Wade, if he hasn't already, I want to hear Dwayne Wade and Mickey Harrison agree on ownership percentage. Are you talking about uh, down the road like... No, no, not now. Yeah, post post his career, I want him to become part owner of the Miami Heat. I think he will. That's that's what I want. I want more players in their post-playing careers to become owners. I think he will. I think he will. And I don't think enough of that happens. And what he did for the franchise and what he generated... I'll be surprised if that does not case. And I think you're right to put that on the table now. Yes. See if we play back and when it's all said and done as he comes up. Because I think he's going to get a statue there. Because if you think about it, in terms of that franchise. Oh, yeah. Uh, Before he the, got the there. single did, player with three championships back-to-back, taking them to four, being the catalyst that put the big three together on the run they had and the revenue they generated, the single most responsible person to getting that done is Dwayne Wade. That's five championships here. That's equivalent to what you've seen done with the Lakers with Magic. Mm-hmm. Larry Bird. And Larry Bird with Boston. And mm-hmm. also remember. As you said, how in 
the illustrious one in Chicago. Yep. Air Jordan. Mm-hmm. So how can he not? And keep in mind, Dwayne Wade took a pay cut a few years ago to get LeBron and Chris Bosh correct their money as well. So it's the second time he's taking a pay cut to stay with the Heat. Okay. So if he does that, would that kind of satisfy the move that he made now if it comes to light afterwards? Obviously, we know because of CBA that can't be something. So doesn't mean that you can't whisper it or there's an understanding as long as it doesn't get out. It, it will because I want to see more of us become owners. So, yes. I agree with you. You know, I want more Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan to become, you know, owners. Play out, and I believe, truly believe, LeBron is going to become an owner. Before we move in, and, that, and, and that's my is, gut on the on, is he going to be a part of the owner of the team? Can live. Now that's a good question. Truly, that's a good question. But right now, I I think will Gilbert be willing to do that? Will he have to bring championships to get there? I, I don't know. I mean, because LeBron's well aware of becoming a billionaire. Yeah. Well, no, I'm so, not. I think he's going to be in a position to be an ownership. But I, 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 I see what you. I see what you're saying. He's you going to fight whether that probably be, for a bigger share ownership, similar to what you've seen with Air Jordan. Michael yeah, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, he might good. look elsewhere so my point is, to become an owner. And, right, and, that, and that's my gut feeling. But coming because, right out, coming right out, is he going to get a percentage of that before he seeks ownership? Probably. Of a LeBron is. Probably going to be more like Magic, post career. Magic has franchises, ownerships, and all over the world. I mean, LeBron is right now is a part owner in a soccer franchise, right. Liverpool, I believe. That's so, correct. So LeBron is a, is a very smart businessman, and one of the reasons he only got the two year deal with the opt out for the second year is because the new TV contract is coming up in negotiations, and in the new that money from the, the windfall from the new expected TV deal that the NBA signs will allow the superstars, in this, this is me discussed, rumored, to receive more money. So that's one of the reasons he's doing that in the new CBA talks. Right, I thought it was smart. So another yeah. example of, of his acumen. Yeah, in terms of still setting things up to be in the best position to get what he needs to get done. Financially, so I give him a lot of credit for that. And then there's also the talk about this new formation of this consulting company that is non-traditional to the marketing framework, right. uh, where he was joining that team in partnership what he has with Mavericks along with Kobe Bryant and supposedly uh, Magic. I mean, uh, Michael Jordan. Some question of whether Michael Jordan was actually involved in it right after it was. Yes. Uh, tweeted out. So yes. he's doing some mega things to get it done. But before uh, we're going to move on uh, from basketball, but as we did our last post, we talked about the top three winners and losers. Uh, we need to close that out before we move forward with the top three movers since things are shaking apart now. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let's we'll get to that. A couple things on a college level. <clears throat> My University of Houston Cougars uh, football unveiled the design for the John O'Quinn Field at TDECU Stadium. Well, I'm not used to that. got to be a nickname better than saying TDECU Stadium. Hey, but anyway, just think about when you when you, when the the uh, play-by-play guy has to re- color analysis has to say, say all, all of that, that in, a, in a broadcast. Alums and fans, we, we'll come up with something else. Well, because the body could be speaking. Yeah, you got you got to say it in, in the in the copy. So yeah. <laughs> 
but it will be a synthetic turf. Will feature an alternating dark green, light green pattern every five yards with I like this with distinctive Houston themed end zones on each end and the U of H Athletics logo balancing the layout at midfield. We need a drone to see that. The stadium's west end zone will feature a silhouette of the downtown Houston skyline overlaid with Houston in the official Houston Athletics font in white with silver trim. The east end zone of TDECU Stadium will feature Houston Athletics secondary Cougar head logo overlaid by Cougars in the Houston Athletics font in white with silver trim. And if and keep in mind, folks, I am a proud U of H alum, so if you didn't like that, I don't care. And if, if things work out okay and I get done with my meeting in time, I will be that by that tomorrow to take photos uh, and do it in a short video and we'll post it on the blog within the 24 to 48 hours afterwards. Because I, I believe. The best part of that I really like, and I think it's all really magnificent in terms of them taking the next step. But really, really like what I've seen some of the images of that look in the evening. Oh, yeah. At dusk. Oh, look oh, yeah. downtown. Oh, and man. How that the skyline yep. Oh, man. On television for a night game oh. of the skyline oh. of Houston. It's going to be different. That's really nice. It's going to be different. It's, it's, and if you haven't been nice. near the stadium or, or seen the the uh, light rail is is complete, right? No. It's, it's not? No. It's getting closer, though. It's getting close. Okay. It should be yeah. ready by the first game. When, it's when, so when, close when, that it looks like it's ready. Right. When, when, a when couple of people need to stay, they really need to pay attention, it's once the, line, uh, the uh, uh, lines are uh, hot, you can see the... Uh, the uh, uh the lights now will be hot, not just at the stations, but along the way, uh, the rails will be hot, and there will also be rail arms at all crossings. Then you'll know time th- th- it's time for business, and it and definitely pay attention. Please pay attention. And now for the info that I said I was going to surprise Wildcat with. <clears throat> We're going to shift gears. We'll be dropping a hammer on a uh, wall trip this season or something. Is it in basketball? I mean, that's, that's a given, isn't it? Isn't maybe maybe in, in football. Well, if that's the case, things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Undertaker ain't out there playing. So, and Kung you know, ain't on the sidelines, so but, what I got to worry about? But let, let me read this to you, Wildcat. I'm listening. Texas Southern's Jasmine Parker. And this is on my Women's Hoops blog. Texas Southern's Jasmine Parker, the 2013-14 Player of the Year in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, also known as the SWAC, recently tore the anterior cruciate ligament in her left knee. Parker had surgery to prepare the ACL on July 14th. The timetable for her recovery is set for a possible return to action during conference play. However, there is a strong possibility the 5'10 senior-to-be guard will be redshirted and sit out the entire 2014-15 season. Comment, sir? With that being said, I'm looking for the latter. Only because of what that injury in, incurs in the rehab that, that also incurs and whatever the doctor sets up your your rehab and your uh, physical the, the uh, doctor, your Regular check. 
Because knee injuries, especially on the girl's side, they are nothing to play with. I mean, they they start down the road now to continuation uh, from uh, hip to ankles and even the other the other knee at, at some point just because of the day-to-day grind and all and what transpires now on the basketball court because they, they don't do a lot of, uh, you know, jumping and all, but they do a lot of movement, a lot of lateral. It, I'm just looking at ladder, red shirt, and come back. Yeah, I think you side on the side of caution. Yeah. Uh, I think with the with Parker, though, the type of athlete she is, the personality she has, I think it's going to be very difficult to try to get her to sit out an entire year if she feels she's anywhere close. We've seen this play out before. Yes. Down the street. Yeah, we At Prairie View. Yeah. With a couple of neat uh, ending surgeries for uh, some all-American athletes down there, conference players. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, I saw the twins the other day. Well, Gotti, were, Gotti was one of them, wasn't it? Gotti, yeah, a big-time player. Mm-hmm. She is doing well in terms of surviving and playing overseas, playing really well. Um, but the, one of the biggest problems they had with her is you couldn't get her off the court in terms of once she felt somewhat back. But you could tell when she came back, she was not quite the same. And she could have used that full season off uh, to come back. Uh, but she just couldn't do it in terms of, the love for the game, playing for a teammate. So, to me, that's going to be an interesting um, decision here. I think the best thing would be to sit her out, but can they convince Jasmine to do that in terms of what she wants to go moving forward? And going to shift gears once again. Oh, for you, without her, will it be okay? You know what? I was, I was told yes. I was too. No way. Doc. Okay. Okay. That's I all was, I'm saying. I was told yes. I was told yes. No way. I mean, you don't leave. You I know. Don't, you, I, 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 I mean, it. 19 points a game gone. Yes, 30 plus points four times in this, this past season. And when you needed when you needed something. I know they got some solid players coming mm-hmm. in. They have some depth there. And I do agree from the standpoint that the swack is not that deep. Uh, question down the prairie view of where they're going to the next step. They brought in some players they think they're going to be there. Southern is always uh, tough and in the race. Uh, and then you have some questions. Will they be eligible? Else. They'll be eligible to play before the season. So, okay. regular season. No, I'm talking they about won't be, okay. I'm talking the swag. There'll be a question for postseason yeah. play. You know, it's sad uh, that we. But okay, yeah. the way to, I mean, that's a fair question. But the yeah, way the swaggy yeah. is, it didn't stop anybody from going to. You know what? It's, it's because it's, the, the, the tournament will be in Houston once again. Speaking, speaking of, you know, that's the, that that's the other source of contention because everybody's waiting to, for me to come back to, uh, to work and all, so they can just ask me why were all these teams in this plan at the end of the year when we all know who was eligible and who wasn't eligible as a, as an institution and all. I say I can't ask that. That that ain't my call. I don't make the decision. That's for somebody else. I just come and watch and report. But hopefully, they get that resolved in a quick manner. The swag. But still, they need to get that resolved. The swag. They need to get that resolved. I'm just saying. If the apparently if the corporate sponsors say we want all ten teams. All ten teams, all ten teams will be in Toyota Center in March. And, and what was floated around was that state. Yep. 
that that statement was floated around. But I want to bounce back to something that Doc touched on briefly, the partnership that um, LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, and Graham McDowell, golfer, being that club, uh, being that athletic club, have become athlete clients with, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, and since they're not a sponsor of the podcast, that's on them. So you just put uh, it. Teneo Sports, Teneo Sports. It's a global consulting firm. And their first four athlete clients are MJ, Kobe, LeBron, and pro golfer Graham McDowell. And basically, the athletes can keep their existing relationship that they have with their agent. But what this new arrangement will be, I mean, they are a sports agency, but they will provide uh, services for the client, including wealth management, tax planning, and more importantly, strategic partnerships. So that's what LeBron and crew are looking for in order to maximize their brand. Pay attention to that last two words, strategic partnership. partnership. Yes. Trust me, that's global marketing on the elite side. That's somebody that's not going to be playing around with putting their brand out there where it should be, where it shouldn't be, changing the landscape and adapting. Now, the thing that's interesting, if you look at the, the actual president uh, that they brought in, his background gives you some better indication of tactically what this uh, conglomerate is going to do. He has a history of working with Nike. Uh, in terms of building them into... 34 years. Charlie billion, Denson. Uh, billion, what say his name again? Charlie Denson. Uh, in terms of a billion, do- a multi-billion dollar and, you know, the largest share of the market. And so his experience puts you in position to understand marketing just outside of what a normal agent in some of the conglomerate marketing companies are doing. So this is another framework that is going to be very interesting to follow. So let's wrap it up now. What you want to touch on? The winners, losers? Yes, uh, we kind of started that out last week, and we have uh, essentially another week into the books. I got one loser based, on, based on today. Rocket. Indiana Pacers. You know what it's Losing Lance Stevenson to the Charlotte Hornets. So, top whoa, three, whoa. what are your top three losers? T- today, Pacers. Yeah, I'm going to say the Rockets because I. I'm just not convinced. With, uh, and the only reason I just... And one more top of my head. Oh, let's see. Come back to me. Top three? Indiana. Um, I just couldn't see them losing Lance Stevenson to, to Charlotte. Rockets, because of what they lost, Chandler Parsons, uh, Omer Osik, and Jeremy Lin. I understand about the, the cap and all and trying to get, trying to, you know, bring somebody in. But your replacements, you just got older. The team got older, and it older, got older quick, a lot quicker. Um, one more, I'm still going to put Minnesota in there, but only because they hadn't decided what – they don't know what they are. I mean, it's, it's like floating out there on the fence and kind of like hoping somebody comes along and says, pick me, pick me. Number one, I'm going to say the Lakers. Like a loser? Yeah. Okay. First loser. 
Number two, Indiana Pacers. I think we're out of questions. Should be in everybody's top three. And at this point in time, after this week, I'll go with the Houston Rockets as well. Well, mine is just the same. I have the Lakers third. You know, so Pacers, Rockets, Lakers, those are all losers. Lakers are just taking on salaries, and they're signing people because they have to. Right. The reason I put them as the top loser is what they set out to do. And they came nowhere close of being a franchise that is used to getting it done, where they have fallen, and what they ended up with, uh, what they were trying to do. I say they're the biggest loser. Winners? Biggest winner, I'm going to go with uh, Cleveland. I'll stay with Cleveland with some of the additional moves they made. I'll say they're a big winner. Oh, and they got Mike Miller to sign. And I think uh, James, James Jones who, signed as well. So they got the, the three-point the shooters. Got the three-point shooters, the depth. They got people that he's comfortable with that's going to help him mature the rest of the players. This thing is a big deal. They're still in play for love, so I'll put them up there. The third one. Uh, that slides one spot, but I think they st- they stay in the top three. Miami Heat, particularly when you look at the scare that it looked like they would come from, uh, getting Luol Dang, some of the other pieces, they should still be in a position to be a top four team, top five team in the East. And it looks like uh, many people for a minute thought they were going to fall out of the, even the playoff. So I'll say they're a winner in terms of what they were trying to do. Outside shot, I'd give the New York Knicks. Uh, Knicks, where it looked like they may be losing Melo, even though most of us probably wouldn't. But if they didn't get him uh, for a franchise that hadn't won and had some semblance of at least being relevant with Melo, they would have fell off the planet without him. So I'll, I'll have them a different score. Number one, Cleveland. Two, the Heat. Three, the, the Washington Wizards. They lost Trevor Reza, but they replaced him with Paul Pierce. And they are uh, laying the groundwork for having cap room to go after Kevin Durant in 2016 because they've added one of Durant's good buddies to the staff. <clears throat> so they're looking ahead. Who is the staff? Yeah, I knew you'd ask me that question. I was, I was looking for the man's name. Okay. I'll find it. Trust me on that. I will find it. Because he is a Baltimore. He is from he, Baltimore. He sure is. Yeah. Because uh, our, our friend had, had mentioned about him a while back. You think he's the guy that want to go home? Oh, yes. It's already mm-hmm. been, last few days, it's already been uh, publicized that the top team that Kevin Durant would consider leaving OKC for would be the Wizards. Yeah, the East wow. sure could use it. Man. Now that would be not, That's not saying it's going to happen, but the top team he would consider Leaving OKC four would be the Wizards. Nah, that that would that would totally change. You 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 know you talking about jumping up and screaming and hollering? (laughs) (laughs) You talking about jumping up and screaming and hollering? Top three, top three. Um, I had to go with Cleveland uh, for other reasons, uh, only because of what not just uh, LeBron going back, but what is what's about to happen uh, infrastructure wise as far as Movement of uh, income and economically for the city. Um, number two, only because they didn't have to do anything but just be themselves, San Antonio. Uh, and number three, I would have to say, uh, uh, yeah, I go with Washington uh, only because of 
they lost and picked up. Yeah, outside looking in, I said the only one that uh, I think gets another shot at that is definitely with the, uh, with the landing would be Chicago. And the name of the person that the Wizards hired was David Atkins, coach Durant High School. Ah. You know, when I saw that, I wouldn't. I, it didn't. I didn't. It didn't. Coming in. Okay. I didn't see. It didn't resonate at at, at first. So yes. And that's 2016. That's not that far away. No. And folks are sitting around waiting too. I mean, well, literally. I, I know some people around here want to talk about football. We'll close out on that final note as we get a little deeper in that. But it looks like Johnson is still on the outside looking in for the Texans. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't think he'll leave, leave the money on the table. I think he'll show up for late in the training camp. And I don't think know. the Texans can really afford to trade him. Uh, because of what it costs on the books unless somebody's really willing to give up something. And I don't know if somebody's going to do that at this early in the junction unless a wide receiver goes down uh, during training camp or something like that. Then you may see some real interest of people coming after Johnson that the uh, Texans might look at. On the college level, still have your lawsuits out there. So keep your eyes on that. The biggest thing I have on the money table that continues this tree that continues to get bigger and better I just read a report that suggested that each of the big five conferences, each of the members, will take home $50 million apiece. Per school? Per school associated with the payoff as being the, the one of the big five members of the college football playoff. So the rich continue to get richer and distance themselves from everyone else. Uh, the lawsuits continue to pile up. You have a lawsuit now uh, in regarding the death of a young lady that uh, named the NCAA president uh, as an action suit. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see where this uh, litigation continues to play out. I can folks find you again, sir. They can follow, find me on the social media platform. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. As well as they can email me directly at kcavill at thd-agency.com. That's kcavill at thd-agency.com. And a little word on there, soccer. Don't forget MLS. They just put 40-plus fans in the stands Sunday night. Portland and Seattle. Two networks, ESPN and Fox, going to be bidding hard for the next World Cup. I, I thought Fox had it. I read that today. Fox and Telemundo have it. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I think it's the, the following mm-hmm. one that they're going to push. Because uh, it's in Russia. The, uh, yeah, the time zone. And then, and then, then, cut, and then Cutter in, in, in what, 2022. For now, they haven't really, you know, if they don't get the stadiums and all the stuff, yeah. you know, Could make more progress to toward that, who knows what happened in 2022. Because isn't it a series of games supposed to be played here in the States in the next, within the next two years? Within the next... Yeah. yeah. That's going to be interesting. We'll see some mega games coming to the States. And as we talk mm-hmm. about the landscape that I want everybody to continue to follow, the NFL continues to push for London. Why not? Wembley Stadium sits there. 
That's all I'm <laughs> the saying. The NBA is looking at tops as they kind of figure out what they're going to do. Major League Baseball uh, just the other day during the uh, World uh, All-Star break was talking about where they want to go as international sports, so they're looking up options. And then finally, when you look at the uh, Premier League, they're bringing their franchise over here to play friendly. So uh, this global sport that we have between those top four franchises will be fascinating to see. And don't forget, over the know, next five years, we haven't going. mentioned it at all, but kudos to, to Germany. Oh, yeah. They won the World Cup. That's true. We talked about it so much, the World Cup. Many podcasts prior, we've been touched on it today. Yeah, it was always a foregone conclusion, and that goal was Man. simply marvelous. One touch. Hey. To bring it and chest stop the ball. Chest knocked down. Him off that foot. Off that foot. Airborne. Boom. Can't do anything. Coming off the bench. And, just, and why not? Why Oops. not? How why cool. not? How can folks find you, sir? They can find me. You too. Who are you? I am. Football Wildcat, the college sports reporter. YouTube and Blogspot, Blogger, the college sports report. Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, JL Woodley1. And next week, I will be in Dallas, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday at the Big 12 Conferences, Media Days. Football is here. Yeah, SEC is going on loud and chirping this uh, weekend. Friday. Three days of the SEC. I tell you what. Four. Oh, excuse me, four days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's SEC Media Week. That's, not that's Media Day. Media that's week. why the SWAC will be one day. Well, it's always one day. Usually, they, uh, but normally the last different. couple of years, what they've tried to do was align it with the SEC, which I thought was smart. But usually, what they do is they would proceed it, they would start on Monday. But when the SEC expanded, obviously, to the fourth day that you're losing to, which changed it from usually three days, which now they call it SEC week, they pushed forward instead of pushing it back, right. which means the SWAC decided to move into Friday, which I was going to throw out there before you close that. I'll have some reports from SWAC media day, which is this Friday. And on Wednesday, we conference USA. Um, I was reminded earlier today uh, that. Uh, North Texas preseason has been picked to to be a finish number one with Rice second. It'll be interesting, and I I'm just going with this just because gut feeling, only because of the Dallas recruiting area why North Texas was most likely picked, but Houston they're making a move. They are making a move. Dallas didn't make the uh, finals in the uh, 707 high school this year. None of the Dallas schools at all, even the private. But, but let's be, what? correct me if I'm wrong, let's be precise. Okay. North Texas was picked to win the, the division. Okay. Right? Because yeah. I think Marshall is the favorite to win the conference. And just off the top of my head, that's what I'll go by, just Marshall is Marshall. You know, and they were that's kind of a traditional power in college football on that level, right? Would you agree with that? They're okay. Come well, out we're talking end. Conference USA, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. I'm, I'm asking you, you're going to be the expert. I mean, clearly they were picked. That's what's on paper. Do you agree with that or not? No. I'm still looking so for you're putting I mean, North Texas not only uh, to the division, but you're saying that you see them finding a way to get it done. Right. Most and I'm still, against I'm, Marshall? Yeah. 
I'm, I'm still looking for the uh, conference championship. Is the conference championship to be in the West again? At this thing, that's the Wildcat, also known as Hootie Who, Mr. Rice Owl. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll know. I, I'll know Wednesday though. I'll yeah, know Wednesday. We know. I'll know and, Wednesday. And, and I. Oh, and by the way, yeah. uh, b- before I turn you loose, yes, sir. Big Twelve, Baylor. This is this is. They hadn't said that. I hadn't seen the. I hadn't gotten released yet. But it's Baylor, TCU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma as a top four to be running for, uh, to be in the in the hunt for winning the Big Twelve outright and being in one of those final four positions to get to the uh, get to the trophy. And it'll be interesting. This, this Do you agree be, with that? Yeah, uh, but basically because Baylor right now brings back the most uh, returning starters, including the quarterback of the year. A preseason year, uh, Bryce Petty. Uh, the one thing that uh, Coach Browse, I spoke to him a little bit uh, shortly, a uh, short while today. I'll speak to him at length on Monday, uh, Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, the one thing that he didn't talk a lot about, but it was a big smile and a kind of like shove, shove, he, 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 ha, 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 was his wide receiver. My question. And he's happy with that group. Okay. Uh, defensively, he says this is a better upfront group than he's had in a while, uh, and but he also made the comment his his DBs won't be lacking. Well, they've been been in certain situations suspect. He said that, that this year he he doesn't he's not worried about that. Special teams they you know, it's always a question mark for any coach. So what about the Cougars? U of H, where do you see them? I hadn't. It, it, I hadn't had a chance to talk to Coach Levine. Hopefully, I'll, I'll see him tomorrow if he's if he's out and about. Um, and if he is, I'll just ask him a short, you know, one or two questions. But I will post it, and I'll let everybody know. But uh, it's this, you know, it should be UCF. The one, the one thing about it now, he still got the best wide receiver in the conference right now, Deontay. Yeah, I think in the swag, uh, the way you look at it with the uh, quarterback coming back to Prairie View. They have depth at that position. Oh. If they can do anything on the defensive side, I think you have to give a nod to Prairie View right behind them at Southern in terms of what they'll be able to do as an overall team and just having an experience of winning these championships. The biggest question Southern has is getting that quarterback to play. Outside looking in, I think you don't want to forget about is Arkansas Pine Bluff. Remember, they won the championship mm-hmm. two years ago. Uh, that quarterback is in the fold, and he'll be healthy and They'll have a lot of players that uh, were not eligible back on the field. So look for them, the Rocket. Behind them, I'm looking at Texas Southern University, and I think Grandma has some way to make up. When you go to the Eastern Division of the SWAC, I think you want to look at Alcorn State uh, uh, to be a favorite there, particularly when you have a changing of the coaching position at Alabama and in Jackson. And you have to look at one of those two teams maybe to make a push to get outside of that. Uh, but right behind Alcorn State at this time is I think you're going to have to go with Alabama State Hornets. The interesting move in uh, the east side is the fact that old Comagy that was at Jackson State has moved to Mississippi State to Delta Devils. So it be interesting to see if he can really move that program to the next level. They had a run to almost get to 500, which is a monumental success mm-hmm. two years ago. Mm-hmm. So there are, there is some talent down there, and if is there any coach that can get it done for the Delta Devils this comedy? So that's something to keep your eyes on. And next week I'll give you a little more about the MEAC side of it. The all-conference preseason offensive line 
and the Big 12. Reads as 66305, 64309, 64303, 66329, and 65303, and Baylor has a 400 pound player. Um, I can't remember his name offhand. Well, I was just saying, Only uh, Coach mentioned him today. Uh, Coach Brown mentioned him today, and it was. Uh, I wasn't able to talk at length, but I'm gonna definitely ask on Monday. Yeah, you gotta find out. Who's but, because, but he did. He that did almost say, sounds unhealthy. He and, and, and he talked about he he basically said. You know, that's a guy that we, especially, you know, with the situation with Isaiah, that, that's a kid that they're, they're on watch with on a, on, on a daily basis. Because the numbers and all are so far out there at that size, weight wise. You just. Laquan McGowan. That's him? 6'6, 400 pounds. Wow. 6'6. That's still, that's still not. Yeah. That's still out there. And, and as he mentioned, he said, you know, think about it, 25, 20, 25 years ago, you wouldn't have thought a 300-pound player would would be on a, on a professional level. And now, that, you know, it's, it's an average. True. He said, we, we're just looking down the road, and every day, you know, we're checking him. We're checking. He's a guard. They want him to get down to 360. Time for play. Wow. But we'll talk about the American. Their media day is July 28th and 29th. Yeah. So that's what I look forward to that. So we'll look forward to that. See, folks, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't steal you wrong. We're going to discuss football here on these podcasts. Don't, don't, don't fret. Don't fret. We do a lot here on these podcasts, which is why I want you to tell your friends about what we do. And we didn't get into, to, uh, at length and all with the SEC just because we just hadn't got at length today. It's the SEC. We got time to get into that. Oh, talk about the Aggies and, and Alabama and see if they can. Get back on track, you know, after their one year off the, the pedestal. The old ball coach. You know, him too, and Les Miles and, and the crew. The grass. You know. But that's what we do here on these podcasts. We talk about sports. We talk about sports business. We talk about social issues. And that's what KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc Podcasts are for. That's what we bring to you. That's why we want you, and that's why we ask you to spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends about the, the uh, Facebook fan page, the Links on iTunes. Links on SoundCloud.com. Spread the word. Spread the wealth. Share the knowledge. I am KG of the Houston Round Bar Review. Houston, Houston Round Bar Review is the uh, Instagram handle. Houston Round Bar Review is also on YouTube. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review. going to wrap it up. Gentlemen, thank you as always for your knowledge, time, and insight. going to wrap it up as I always do. Be true. Be cool and do more.